welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Okay, friends, uh, if you don't have your Bibles, you might want to grab one. Uh, there are some back here in the, in the middle uh, if you didn't get one. Um, but today, I'm really excited. Uh, if you didn't know, I was in California for a uh, covenant, uh, they call it midwinter. It's the annual covenant uh, sort of get-together gathering. Um, so I got to go out there and be in Suffer for the Lord Jesus in San Diego, which was great. Yeah, I know. Um, but... Uh, uh, I was talking to Mike Brown, who's the director of our church planting kind of in the, in the Northwest Conference, and he was talking about Awaken, and he said, I've just been so uh, impressed and really surprised by the group of people that you have gathered at Awaken. It's not what I would have expected. Uh, Mike's been and visited a couple times, and um, I'm just really grateful for this community. I'm grateful for uh, the people that have come here. Uh, so I wanted to introduce, if you haven't met Linda, uh, Bob and Linda Hillicue have been coming to Awaken, I don't know, for a couple months now, but Linda and I had an opportunity to work together at Berean. And uh, Linda was uh, the director of women's ministry over there. Off the record, I would argue the pastor of women's ministry. <laughs> On the record, the director of women's ministry at Berean. Um, but uh, just a, um, a really, really uh, valued voice in this community. And so we get the privilege of hearing from her today. So if you would, welcome my good friend, Linda. Good morning. I was thinking the last time I spoke here, I was a visitor, and and now I'm not. Now I'm part of this community. I remember the uh, staff meeting when they told us that Micah was uh, leaving uh, and going elsewhere uh, from Berean, and I and um, and I remember uh, the tears welling up in my eyes. But he was sitting next to me. But then I felt this hand come over on top of my hand, and, and I knew he knew how I felt. Um, I uh, I saw something wonderful in in Micah, and I still do. But it's just a real, really great, fun thing to be part of this now, and and to be here with you. And I um, I'm wondering now what they thought this group would look like. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Well, we're, we're here today to, to look at Daniel and uh, fitting into the each year book, although I have to say, <laughs> I think we should call it Taste the Book. I <laughs> I've been reading, reading Daniel and I, and um, it was really, it was terrific, but there's a million things to choose from to uh, to talk about, and uh, and I want to encourage you to eat this book. Go back and read it, and I think it's a it's full of such wonderful stories that we remember from our childhood if you grew up in the church, and um, it's it's really wonderful to put it in the context. I remember when I was in Sunday school, we, we would get cards to take home, and then there'd be this. Um, sort of museum kind of picture on the front of whatever. I remember Daniel in the lion's den on his knees in front of a rock with lions behind him. And um, and we would have just take the story home, but I kept those and had a rub- rubber binder around them for years, and I guess I must have eventually thrown them away. But um, but I think of how I learned all those stories, but that's kind of the way I learned them, one story on a card at a time. And I didn't necessarily put them into the whole story of the gospel until I was older. And so I think this is really wonderful to begin to, to uh, put these things in context of the, of the scripture itself. Um, every human is born with a desire to know love and acceptance. And when children's needs are not met in infancy, 
and their childhood is not what it should be, we end up uh, with broken individuals. Some almost impossible to men, but by the grace of God, um, they go forward. But all of us, to some extent, have experienced that, not whether it was in junior high or high school. We were teasing Mike about being forever 16, and we agreed that we wouldn't want to go back there. Um, (laughs) That was a a hard time in life. Um, But uh, life is... becomes for for many a contest against the world instead of an embracing of the world and and that's a difficult way to live Um, to give love we have to receive love and to receive love we have to give love and so those two things have to be in balance and unrequited love um, leaves leaves a huge broken place in us that that we have to mend but it but the hole is always kind of there and it's it's a wound that's difficult to heal but in God we find perfect perfect love and he's the only one who can always be there in the dark of night when my daughter was uh, young and was very ill I would um, be in the hospital with her and and it would it was very vivid to me that um, when when I sat in that room alone a good deal of the time and watched my baby breathe hoping she would continue to breathe um, it was it was this feeling of being very alone with God and I'm sure all of you have experienced times like that where you've just it was just you and God but how wonderful to know that and and I can't imagine what it would be like to be in those situations without that so so we're thinking about love this week, aren't we? It's, it's in relation to Valentine's Day. And I just feel that I should just say a word to you guys who are watching TV. Think twice before you order the huggable bear that, that takes up half the bed. Or, or those pink pajamas with the feet. Not very m- women want to look like the Easter Bunny, but there are some, and or or the, or are that that cold? But um, but I think it, learn to use your words, like we tell little children. Use your words. That the, the woman wants to hear the words, and use your imagination. And girls, I want to tell you that uh, we always must appreciate whatever they give us, and maybe they'll come up with something better the next time if it doesn't work out. <laughs> so just. Just that. <laughs> okay. But back to the topic. <laughs> We're going to look at the, bo- uh, the book of Daniel. And it's filled with faithfulness. The faithfulness of God to his people. The faithfulness of Daniel to his God. But we also see unfaithfulness in, in uh, the people who are around Israel. And we certainly see unfaithfulness in Israel through the years. Um, but God called out this servant Daniel, and in the book of Daniel is really a biography, and so we're going to just kind of look at his life. And he was a gift, I think. Um, I think he proved to be a gift to God, and he also proved to be a gift to his people. And beyond that, he was a gift to all these Babylonian rulers with whom he uh, was able to uh, work. Not because he sought that out, but it just happened that way. It's a story of love recorded and unrequited, but it is always faithful. So let's, it, I, I'm going to suggest that you just open Daniel, because I'm just going to kind of take a quick little jaunt through it. But, but I want you, um, I want to encourage you to go back and read this. I really, really mean that because it reads like a novel, especially the the first part. It's it's very good. So we see the decline of Judah. 
uh, uh, Israel had been divided into two kingdoms, and uh, half of the people had, or roughly half, had, had already gone. Judah had hung on a little longer, and now this is the first group to be deported when it and when uh, it fell to Babylon. And these these young men are taken uh, away. Now these are these are really teenage boys, 16, 17, something like that. And there's four of them that, that we're going to hear about in the first part of Daniel. And um, they had to leave everything behind, and they were taken to a nation and surrounded by unbelieving people who did not identify with the way that they viewed life. And you know, for Israel, religion was more than what it is for many in the world today, where we have our drawers, you know, our little compartments, and we take out our various things, and we have our times, and we take out our religion. But but religion and country are synonymous. Uh, religion, it, it reminds me a bit, I've worked some with the Somali, and um, it's hard to get, get past... Um, the wall that they have around themselves because their their family, their culture, everything is all tied is all tied into that. And that's the way it was for Israel at this time too. So so here they are, they're taken and and they are uh, come into this country and they are chosen. They are chosen because they are the brightest and the best. They were uh, strong. I imagine they were good looking. They were um, they were uh, everything that a, that young people should be, and they were they were put in this special class along with other bright young men. Um, uh, I don't know if some of the others were also from captivity or if they were all from Babylon, but at any rate, they were in this group, and uh, and they wanted to, of course, give them the very best of everything um, to to feed them and to uh, allow them to develop their minds and education and all of that. And so, so there they are, and they're feeding them meat, and these meat, much of this meat may obviously have come from idol worship or other things. It is against their religion to, to eat a lot of this, these types of meat. And so uh, they, go, they have the courage to raise the issue and to ask if they can uh, be allowed to eat uh, what... It says in the NIV, it uses the word vegetables. Um, in, because I have a daughter who's very into nutrition, I immediately thought, but they need protein for their muscles. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and so, um, but I was happy to read that they also were asking to eat grain that, that was high in protein. So that, that helped me to get past that. Uh, so they said, please test your servants for uh, 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the, the royal food, food, and then treat your servants in accordance with um, what you see. And at the end of that 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. So their request, of course, was granted. And it says, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters of his whole kingdom. And that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was was a torn man. He, <laughs> he was a very erratic man. His personality was such that he would have terrible flare-ups. On the other hand, he could be quite warm. I think um, it appears that Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar actually had quite a good relationship in many ways, although he didn't, wouldn't threaten, he would threaten to uh, throw him to the lions. Um, he, was, he was not always uh, predictable, we would say. 
uh, his predictability was predict unpredictability was predictable. Uh, so he uh, he was also interested in these magicians and enchanters, but he was drawn to these others. So so the story goes on now that they then were elevated, and and Daniel saw to it that the other three went with him. So we have the fabulous four here that are uh, marching through Babylon, and Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he and he wants his dream answered. And um, he says to the astrologers, this is what I've decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will cut you into pieces and your houses will be turned into piles of rubble. Like I say, he was erratic. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honors. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Well, of course, they could not do that. They could not tell him the dream. And so Daniel steps forward and he doesn't really... No, at that point, he's just trusting that God will give him the ability to do that. And indeed, he was able to supply the, uh, the definition of this dream. And it was a, a picture, and I think you can do it in your mind, of a, of a warrior, perhaps, looking fellow, um, almost kind of like a Roman soldier, uh, and, and a crown on his head, and uh, garbed appropriately. And, there, and it was, his head was of gold, and his arms were of silver, and his uh, body, torso, was of, bro of bronze. Was it bronze or was it, I, I don't know, so I think it was bronze. Maybe not. I'll look on my notes. <laughs> brass, brass. And, and then it was, uh, his legs were of iron, and then his feet were of clay and iron mixed together. Now this is, I've heard this story a whole lot of times, but this part of it I didn't ever quite get. Um, the gold head uh, was that that was Nebuchadnezzar. That's my hearing aid. Um, that was Nebuchadnezzar. And he, he was, of all these kingdoms, the, um, the Medo-Greco the Medo and the, uh, excuse me, the Medo-Persian, the Greco-Macedonian and the Roman empires, all these great empires of the world that ruled the then known world, they are, they're in descending order on this torso. Gold being the hardest and the best and most valuable. And so crazy Nebuchadnezzar was the best ruler ever. He, he controlled the, the world, and although he was a loon at times, he nevertheless um, was, was a very, was basically had the most power and strength of all the rulers that were to come. Then we move down, and the, the kingdom of Babylon is divided between the Medes and the Persians. So division, of course, makes right weaker. If you divide something in half, there's less of it on both sides. And so they were weaker, and then again the, the uh, Grecians and the Macedonians were the brass. And then Rome, now I've always thought of Rome as being, Rome as being the really strongest of the empires, but indeed, those legs of iron. And you know what? Bad news for us guys, we're the toes. <laughs> we're the toes where the clay was inserted <laughs> in the iron. And so as great as we think we are in the world today, as, uh, as great as the world seems, as advanced as it seems, it is at the bottom of this torso. But Nebuchadnezzar, you know, that he was, he was pretty happy with that dream. That was a nice dream to be able to tell him because he was the head of gold. Now, he was impressed, and he was impressed with Daniel's God, but he was too impressed with himself and very prideful. And so he decided, well, the head of gold, so he built a, an idol of gold, 
and asked uh, everyone then to worship this, this idol of gold. Now, in the meantime, because they had been advanced, it would appear that Daniel wasn't there because we all know the story from our Bible cards of, say it with me, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. We all know those three guys, don't we? And no Daniel. He didn't get thrown into the fiery heat. But again, the uh, king became so incensed, he told them to, hide, to heat the fire up even beyond anything that was necessary to kill anybody. And the men who threw them into the fire, they died because of the heat it was, so, was that overwhelming. And these three guys went down, and um, I love what they say. They were asked to defend themselves, of course. And they said... Just a minute. They said they didn't. They didn't want to answer. Um, just a minute. I'm so not there. They didn't want to answer. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing fur furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know now, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or, or, or worship the image of gold that you have set up. So there was great courage in those three lads as they, as they were thrown into the fire, but indeed they ended up walking around and there was a fourth person with them who we would believe was the incarnate Jesus Christ. So, of course, he's um, even more impressed then. And Nebuchadnezzar would um, make sort of Oh, kind of references to the fact that, that made it you feel like he was moving in the direction or maybe even had made a commitment, but he was still polytheistic and he held on to to his uh, to his gods and uh, so he had another dream <laughs> when in doubt, God sends dreams apparently, although I would tell you that i don 't think he works so much that way now, so don 't be upset if you haven 't had any <laughs> dreams to interpret so um, so now uh, he, he he calls on Daniel again, but not until he's called the other guys in first. You know, he's he's always um, going first to his most immediate people, and they are never of much help. But he get then Daniel comes and he uh, he gives him this dream of the tree, this big tree. But here's the bad news. You know, before he got to tell Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. Now. Nebuchadnezzar's the tree. Well, that's good. You know, start out with the good news. But the tree is cut down. And, um, and indeed, it is predicted that he will become insane. And there is a, a disease. I, I don't, I've never known anyone who has it. But um, maybe you have heard the name, and I can't think of what it is right now, but it doesn't matter. But a disease where you think that you're an animal. I'm thinking of my little grandchildren. They're always pretending they're something else. But, <laughs> but they don't have that disease. Um, they're not eating grass. But, the, uh, but he actually ended up running with the donkeys and being out in the field. And although he was given a year, a complete year after that dream to think it over, and he was told by Daniel, you know, if you repent, you might be spared all this agony. But he didn't, and so he ended up being a donkey. And, and out he was uh, running with the wild creatures, and obviously quite insane. And he was there long enough that his hair grew really long, and his nails curled, and, you know, it was kind of a, it had to be an ugly 
picture. I, I'm not sure where they put him. They must have had a private park or something where they where where he grazed. I'm not sure. <laughs> but when he came out of that, it, he was and they had Daniel's dream had told them to re, to uh, retain the stump, and so God in His faithfulness then did grant that and he came back to the kingdom a renewed man and and a true believer so we do have a happy happy story here of this king nebuchadnezzar who daniel just never gave up on and and in the end did uh did realize that there was one true god um so then we have to speed up a little bit here and, and before we get to the next thing that daniel has to do and that has to do with uh the writing on the wall now this is several rulers later and um and it's an interesting story when uh nebuchadnezzar came out of babylon he took the gold and all the wonderful things from the temple but apparently they were they were put aside and and it doesn't seem like they were much in public view or or anything like that but uh then we had another king and this king Belshaz- Belshazzar was uh it was interesting because he was actually being attacked by the Medes but he apparently wasn't very worried because the city uh was so the walls were so high and the walls were so thick that you could drive four chariots around the top and they had enough food in the walls of the city for 20 years and they had their own source of water they had diverted or they had uh the the tigris i believe it was that flowed through the city and so they had their own source of water and so i I'm guessing that they just figured they'd last him out, you know. So so he was in a jolly mood and decided to have a great big party with all of um a big pagan feast with a thousand guests, a huge room, and actually they have es- excavated uh a room in Babylon that would have been big enough to have done that. Um I don't know if it was the exact room or not. But he he was having this high ho party and a hand came down from wherever heaven and wrote and there were three words and I'm not positive of my pronunciation cuz I don't speak Arabic but um many men and tekel and parson and the first word means numbered the second word means weighed and the third word means um divided now even if the wise men had been able to it was they should have been able to but i guess the handwriting was kind of strange and so they couldn't interpret it but even then it wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense numbered way divided what do you make of that but what god was saying and daniel interpreted that was that god had numbered the days of belshazzar's kingdom it had been weighed it had been evaluated in other words and it had been found wanting which of course it was it was uh, a horrendous thing now what he didn't know was that at that very moment that all this was happening the meads had actually diverted the water that was going through the city and back into the river and so they had come under the sluice and gone underneath the city into the tunnel and they came up and they took the walls and there was never even a shot we would say there was no there was no battle they were just able to take it because 
the, they were not prepared. They weren't expecting that. And they had, they had divided their army between the opening to the water and the other side of the water and appeared not to be doing that much. And so they weren't, they weren't even particularly observant of them. So they came in and that very night took the city. Um, however, Daniel had been rewarded as to be the third now because this was the son of the person who was currently uh, ruling and then Daniel was to be the next as a reward for interpreting that dream. So Daniel now became um, the, a, a very principal leader of, of the country. And then we move on, we're going to move on, um, to the decree of Darius the, the Medes. So now here he was a, he was he was a median um, median uh, not medium median as in from Medes um, that he he came out with a decree to worship him. Now we don't know where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were at this point. If they had died, they aren't anyway. They aren't talked about. This is just Daniel now, and um, they could find nothing. They could find nothing wrong with Daniel. They kept looking for a way that they could entrap him, but they couldn't find anything bad he had done, anything bad he'd said, anything disloyal he'd done, um, anything dishonest. There was nothing, nothing. There's no mention of sin of, um, of Daniel in the Bible. He refers to himself in a prayer as being a sinner, but that's the only indication we have. Of, of course, he undoubtedly had some sin. Um, but uh, Daniel learned of the decree, and he went, and it says, he went home to the upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem, and three times he got down and prayed, kneeled and prayed, just as he always had, giving thanks to God, just as he always had. This was his regular routine, and he was not going to give it up. And of course, they were watching him, and the fact that the windows were open, they could see what he was doing. And so then they went to the king. Now the king, um, King Darius was was. So, oh, he was upset. He was sad. He wanted to do that. But once, do you remember from the story of Esther? I think Micah preached on Esther before I was here. But anyway, that once the king says something, he can't take it back. That's it. Even if he realizes he doesn't want to do it anymore, it is a royal decree. And so he, he mourned over this, and he could think of nothing to do. But when he was reminded that he had to, he said, Daniel, servant of the living God. Well, this is when... At he, so he threw him in the lion's den, and, the next, and he didn't sleep well that night. Now, Daniel slept fine. He was in the lion's den, and he slept fine because he saw an angel guarding him. And Daniel said, Servant of the living God, whom you serve, conti who you serve continually, has he been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. And so, of course, he was rewarded again. And, um, and then he goes into a lot of prophecy. And I'm going to let Micah teach on that another time. <laughs> the apoc apocalyptic prophecy. We're in, what are we in? The snow, up, snow apocalyptic? What do they say on, on the website? Something about the snow... Snow apocalypse. Okay, well, we're going to let Micah cover the apocalypse <laughs> and the end, of, the end of those things. I've actually never talked to you about what you think about all that, so I, I, I wouldn't want to say a wrong thing. <laughs> so, 
anyway, one of the things I love about about this church is that we are free to disagree in love, and I love that because we're free to be on our own journeys and and to and to talk about how God is showing us and doing that. And and if I were to be really, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word you used last week, uh, really vulnerable. Um, I, I could tell you things that I did when I was in my 20s and my 30s or that I thought, and, and I want you to know I voted Democrat, I voted Republican, I've done, you know, I've, I've done, I've been, I have been all over the place at different times as a believer, you know, we, we, have, we have our differences. Um, so, uh, so anyway, uh, Daniel uh, comes out of that well. And God continues to be faithful to his people, but, and he will be faithful to us to the end. Um, the thing I want to say about this is that if you take the time to read it, you will find that Daniel accurately does give foretell events. His prophecies, um, some were, many were not realized in his uh, lifetime, but we can historically trace those things as having come true. And... Um, and then we also, and there can be some, because of that, there are those who feel that the dating of Daniel should be later or whatever. And I'm not going to get into that. Um, I'm just going to take it as written. Uh, but anyway, Daniel then gets into uh, a place where he's, he's pleading for his people. And Daniel's prayer, I think if you'll scoot on up to... Um, Somewhere around nine and ten, you nine, you will find Daniel's prayer, and it's a it's a beautiful prayer. And I'm just going to read the end of it. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant, because he's been shown all this future of Israel, and it's not very pretty, and he's scared, and so he he is. Um, praying to God on behalf of his people. And he says, Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look down with favor on this desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear and open your eyes and see the desolation of the city. Because Jerusalem's been destroyed and they were released by Cyrus to come back, but things weren't happening very fast. Um, we, do, we do not make requests of you because because we are righteous, but because you, because of your great mercy, Lord, listen, Lord, forgive, Lord, hear and act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. This is the thing I want to end with today, and I'll tie it all up together. Um, Daniel prays this prayer, and he has a vision. He, he, he's given another vision of the 77s, which we're not going to talk about. And then he has a vision of where it is most likely Christ that he sees, a beautiful vision of a man in white and all of this. And then he collapses, and then he feels a touch on his shoulder. And this, this angel speaks to him. And he says, A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, who are high, highly esteemed, and consider carefully the words that I'm about to speak to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. And when he said this, I stood up trembling. And then he said, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the day that you, that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. That's the prayer. It was a very humble prayer. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So we're not, we're not going to go into that, but what I want to say to you, 
But I want to say to you, last week, Micah ended by saying, what would we wish to build into the fiber of, of this church? What would we want? And he talked about courage and, and being vulnerable and authentic and, and several different things. Um, I want to add one to that, that we would want to be faithful. And that's something we throw out. And, and sometimes um, I think our culture has lost all sense of what faithful is. If you have a faithful friend or faithful family or whatever, you have known that. But maybe you've never even known that. But God is faithful. But we are called to be faithful. And he calls us to that. And his heart desires that for us and of us. Daniel is a, is a picture of that kind of man. Daniel was a young man. This is a young church. Most, most, most of the people here are young. I love that about this church, and I love the, the uh, other people my age and younger um, that, that are not as young as some of the rest of you. <laughs> but, uh, but there's something so special here. And um, part of that is, is Micah and Toph and, and Ben. Um, great hearts, such great hearts. Um, but it's you. It's you that makes this church what it is. And, we are, and I want to encourage you to be faithful. But I also want to warn you that it isn't easy that there are powers, there is an unseen battle going on around us, and that's what this is alluding to. The angel of Persia was an angel or a demon, uh, uh, one of, of uh, Satan's great warriors, and the, the angel that came to speak obviously was not of as high a rank or quite as powerful, and he was detained 21 days, and then Michael came and took over, and he was able to come and, and speak these words. So this speaks to us of this unseen thing. It isn't easy. Is it? It isn't easy. We can tell of times when we've been faithful. We can tell of times when we've been unfaithful. And in most of the time, we're somewhere in between. But, but we battle that. But I want to encourage you to be God's people, to follow God, to, to ordain disciplines in your life, disciplines of, of giving, working towards giving 10%, disciplines of prayer, disciplines, um, Micah had that whole series on prayer this summer, which was, was very good. Um, other, other disciplines of knowing the word of God and eating this book, because those are the things that are going to hold you firm, and those are the things that are going to allow Awaken to be all that God has dreamed she can be. So be a people set apart, devoted to God. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.